the way the the words adjectives that we use to describe being extremely intoxicated or inebriated are images of violence destruction and death i was hammered i was smashed trashed wasted when you hear that it is such a perspective shift welcome to the show that drops in on people's moments of clarity surrounding their choice to not drink i'm kate madry and i'm so happy you're here Sobriety is like a thumbprint, and just like your skincare routine or your self-care routine, everyone's sober care routine is very different. By the end of each conversation, you'll leave with a little bit more insight to help guide you while building your sober care routine. This is a Clear-Headed Podcast. It is sober October. Yes, it is. <laughs> Boo, I'm anxiety. Ha. Do you like the merch with all the dog hair all over mm-hmm. it? I... This is now, how how many Octobers have we been through sober year round, but like popping in when it's sober October? I think this is only our third because 2020, we got sober at the end of 2020, like in November and December. I can't even do the math right now, but I mean, So that's 2021, 2022. Okay. And then this will be our third. Yeah, but no, I think it's, I don't know. Anyways. I just, because mine's November in 2020. Yeah, I get that, babe. October's so October. before November. Right, but I didn't do, I didn't do so sober this, October right, before so I got this, sober. Yeah, so <laughs> this is our third sober October. Okay, is what I'm saying. I'm gonna trust that. <laughs> I'm really. My in brain. 2021, we did it. In 2022, we did it because we've been sober all year long. Right. And this will be our third. Okay. Yeah, that tracks. Yeah. Anyway. If you can't tell, just because you're sober year-round doesn't mean you don't have brain fog. The brain fog I have felt since COVID has been real. But we're not here really to talk about me today. (laughs) Change of pace. We're here to talk about you, the listener, the person who's sober curious. Maybe you're sober committed. Maybe you are like me and Sarah and you have done sober October, sober November, sober December. (laughs) It's year round for you and this isn't just a month trial and maybe it is and maybe you're dipping your toes in, but whatever it is for you, we have found, well, Sarah really has found some good inspo to keep you going to get you started and maybe you haven't really fully figured out if you want to participate in sober october even though we're already in october that's okay too you can always start um i think it's very common for us to almost set ourselves up to fail um, around these kind of months like dry January, sober October by thinking that if we missed the beginning of it, then uh, I guess it's not like meant to be or I'll just have to wait till January now. And that's just not the case. This is your official go ahead to start tomorrow. Start right now. Uh, No matter the calendar date. Yeah. (laughs) Yep. I was just thinking about how I never tried to do a sober month when I wasn't sober. 
I don't think I did. It's just like, I don't no, know. No, I think you and I actually both tried to do 30 days when we were friends before we were right. dating. Yeah. And I couldn't make it. Uh, me neither. And that's okay. It was totally, I just wasn't there yet, which was fine. But it, you know, it planted the seed. It did plant the seed. Like it was like, oh, okay, this is something I'm interested in, but I'm not really sure how to tackle it. Yeah, Like totally. I think I was like thinking about it and wow 30 days is so long and I would get to like day 14 or something and I'd be like okay like I feel really accomplished in this right but anyway these are some tools that, if no, you are I, feeling like that I do want to just touch on that though because I think passion our dog by the way is in here with us if you hear a little shaking and itching and licking it's not us <laughs> it's important to understand your purpose in going about like anything in life but specifically if you're trying to do a quote-unquote challenge or 30 days or a month off or without drinking I think the biggest hurdle first you face is exactly what you just said like whoa 30 days is a lot yeah and looking at the big picture of it is just not helpful at all even if you wanted to officially stop drinking, looking at the rest of your life alcohol-free when you still have alcohol in your routine feels really overwhelming and it really hinders your speed and like your process on that. But it, I think taking it just one day at a time. Yeah, which, I think it's like any anything that you do in life that's challenging. Like if yeah. you're, you know preparing for a marathon and you you know you're training for it you break it up and it's like okay I'm doing five miles today and I'm mm-hmm. gonna be doing two miles tomorrow and but if you were like oh my if you said oh I'm running a thousand miles in the next two months like you'd be like I can't do that yeah but when you break you know when you look at it in smaller increments it makes it more manageable and digestible and I think the same applies to trying to do a dry challenge or yeah. sobriety in any regard it's like really that old that old phrase one day at a time one day at a time because it works it does work and even like Kelsey a guest we had on maybe two seasons ago said like sometimes it's 10 minutes at a time and that's super true uh and using those tools is not limited to people who identify as like an addict or in a recovery program like you can use these tools from AA or from more traditional uh addict recovery format for your sometimes social drinking and like navigating away from that habit or that Mm -hmm. dependence that's yeah totally it's it doesn't have to get there also something that you said that I think is really important before we dive into these tips is that you'd make it to like day 14 Mm -hmm. and then be like I feel really accomplished I'm gonna drink now because I would get that way too and sometimes even for me, it was like, I'm not going to drink until the main course of this dinner. And then that would reach and I'd feel that accomplishment and then I'd let myself have it. And just even that structure of thinking about alcohol as a reward, e- when you're withholding, quote unquote, or when you are delaying it, isn't the healthiest way or I, I guess I don't want to put healthy or unhealthy, but I don't feel like it's the most successful way for you to start something. Yeah, 
definitely I, I think not. it starts really first with redefining the way you treat yourself. And I mean, I'm sure we can also touch on this with like Alan Carr's The Easy Way to Quit Drinking and like the reframing of how we mm-hmm. say things and how we identify and, and actually just looking at the words that are constantly in our vocabulary of when it comes to drinking. But like if you were going to complete the sentence, like I just need to treat myself, how would you, how would you do that? For me, when I think about that with alcohol, if I was going to treat myself with alcohol, I would be treating myself poorly. Yeah, I think it was never so much about like I was, tr- you know, like treating myself with alcohol. But I think that's what alcohol does to mm-hmm. you. I think it when you're whenever you're not indulging in something, it feels like such an, a task and you're like, oh, OK, this is a challenge. I'm like growing as a person. It's difficult. It feels difficult. Yeah. I think these words are like we sort of view them in a lens of like being hard. It's hard to not partake in something. It's especially hard when other people are partaking in it. Mm-hmm. So you go against the grain for 14 days and then you're like, see, I can do it. But now I'm going to stop this quote unquote challenge or this thing that is like weighing like what you think is weighing you down because you're so fixated on not being able to have something Mm -hmm. instead of focusing on all the things that you can have without it. Like no hangover, no anxiety, et cetera, et cetera. No misspoken words, no blackouts, whatever. But you look at the one thing that you can't have. So it's really a lack mindset, I think, is what it is. And it's just breaking that mindset for a lot of people where it's like, I'm not not you know I'm not in a bad place because I'm choosing to set this down right like I'm not losing anything really right and that was like a really difficult thing for me to I couldn't see it like that I could I could only think oh I'm limiting myself I'm like I have this limitation Mm -hmm. I'm telling myself I can't do something that everyone else is doing right and it felt like I was just resisting that so hard instead of just accepting and I think that's what always broke me yeah it is because I always kind of regretted always kind of regretted when I did the drink right like even the 14 days passed and I drank and I would like go out to dinner and have a bunch of wine and um I'd wake up the next day and I'd be so hungover and I'd be like reminded of why I was taking a break in the first place yeah (laughs) and I'm like wait why did I want to do that but it's like this very very toxic cycle to get stuck in it is I mean and it's easy to get stuck in it yeah absolutely it's another thing that We'll touch on. Alan Carr talks about. Well, let's dive into it. Yeah, let's do it. Alan Carr's Easy Way to Quit Drinking is the book that really, really helped me shift my perspective on alcohol. I found out about it not even intentionally, intentionally <laughs> trying to find a book about not drinking. Um, I, I watched a clip of a comedian talking about jokes and writing and casually in that interview was also mentioned that Alan's car is the easy way to quit drinking and that she read it and now she doesn't drink. And uh, the purpose of me watching that clip was originally to get inspo for writing. And I ended up walking away with watching that clip with Alan Carr's quit drinking without willpower in my Amazon cart and ordered. And it just changed the trajectory of my perspective And I think it will do that for a lot of people. Honestly, anyone who reads it, whether you really feel like you struggle with alcohol or like you don't, um, 
just some of the breakdowns are really really so obvious after you read them but what did you find from so um one of the things that's kind of similar to what we were just talking about he says he calls it the monster within okay so um the big monster interprets the little monster's complaint as i need or want a drink so you end up trying to satisfy the craving by doing the very thing that caused the craving in the first place when you consume alcohol it temporarily quiet quiet quietens never heard that word before i would think it would just be quiets but the little monster creating the illusion that the drink has made you relaxed and happy in fact all it has done is taken you from feeling slightly uptight and restless to feeling okay before you created the little monster you were okay anyway you didn't need alcohol now you will need it again and again just to get you back to a level where you feel okay mm-hmm. and i think that's like a cycle that a lot of people get stuck in yeah of just thinking like oh this is something a habit like i do at the end of the night it helps me unwind um but you know even like a single glass of wine can disrupt your sleep schedule like there's you know really truly it just it affects you every time you consume it so maybe it makes you feel yeah like maybe it makes you feel a little relaxed but it also steals time from the next day I also think a good question to start asking yourself is um what do I want to feel and are there other ways that I can attempt to feel that way before I reach for the bottle reach for the glass especially if you're just doing if you're just trying to do a month yeah just seeing if you can replace in a single day you know on maybe on a work a work week a single night where you would have a glass of wine or a beer or whatever maybe that's like you take a little bit longer of a walk with your dog or maybe you just take a walk maybe you don't have a dog (laughs) maybe you take a bath with a bath bomb that you got special from lush or something you Mm -hmm. know and like those things can easily help you relax just as much as you think a glass of wine can yeah Um, and also it's one day at a time. So if you're like, you wake up the next day and that bath or that walk didn't do it for you, reevaluate. Right. You never know. Just like you can always start again. Yeah. Uh, you can always drink later. And I think having that perspective can be helpful. I think that's like the best thing about the the one day at a time thing. It's like, listen, if I want to have a drink tomorrow, I can, but I'm going to make it through today because I told myself I would do that. Right. And I'm going to give myself the gift of doing that following that through waking up and saying hey I did that and then I can reassess yeah if I go I'm really missing it no judgment you know yeah totally okay the other thing is um and this was something Kate like specifically wanted me to find um the way the the words adjectives that we use to describe being extremely intoxicated or inebriated um are images of violence, destruction, and death. I was hammered. I was smashed. Trashed. Wasted. Um, yeah, and that's just like, when you hear that, it is such a perspective shift. It really is. Like, it's- the words we're using to describe a crazy night out are, like, wasted. 
the night was wasted. Yeah. I mean, very literally. I know. Um, I was trashed. I was shit-faced. Yeah. It's all just like really negative stuff. I know. And I think you get, it obviously gets normalized and we're totally numb to like what those words actually mean. But they have weight and they have weight in the energy around you too. How you talk about yourself, the standards that you hold yourself to, the ways in which you want to be and strive for. And even when you're not drinking and you want to do that again, why would you want to be wasted? Yeah. And truly it means that you're not wasted when you're sober obviously but literally you're in use when you are present in the moment and clear-headed hey plug um Um, which takes me to my second okay bookmark love that Um, third but yes right i well i didn't bookmark that first one it just resonated and it seemed like it was like very parallel to what we were talking about so okay i love that um kind of like what you're saying when you're not wasted, you're useful and present. But this, um, the way he describes it is, no doubt you will, ha- you will have experienced numerous happy social occasions where a lot of drink has been consumed. This guy's definitely British. You think? Yeah. Happy no doubt ball. you will ex- have experienced numerous happy social occasions where a lot of drink has been consumed. Like no one says that a lot of drink has been consumed unless you're British. Love that. Anyway. I love the accent too. It was like pretty bad. Keep but going. Anyway. <laughs> and you will assume that it was the drink that oiled the wheels. Mm. But think about it. Who were you with and what were you doing? Isn't it the case that those occasions were really enjoyable because of the company and the occasion? A wedding, a birthday, a baseball game, a Christmas party. The belief that alcohol is necessary to have a good time leads many people to spoil the occasion and have a bad one being wasted once you freed yourself from alcohol and learned once again to trust in your ability to relate to other people and have fun just as we do as children you will go into all social occasions with greater confidence and come out having had more enjoyment than ever which is like so true it is like it's not impossible like i know it seems like the easier solution sometimes like especially i think in Sober October is probably a harder one than dry January because... Everybody's pooped in January. And also it's like you've had New Year's Eve and you've maybe had a lot of drink on New Year's Eve. But October is like, it's getting cozy. It's fall. There's parties. There's charcuterie boards. There's There's spooky charcuterie boards. (laughs) (laughs) And I think it's just easy. It's a social month, I think. Yeah. Like we're coming out of the summer. Mm -hmm. It's starting to feel like... You want to just be inside with your friends and your family. And that can mean drinking. Yeah. You know? So I think maybe October is harder for people. But um, you really can have fun without alcohol. You really can. More fun. More. (laughs) Which honestly brings me, rolls me right into my Holly Whitaker section. She's transitioning, baby. I know. Quit Like a Woman was also a really pivotal book for me. My interview with Holly Whitaker was pivotal to this podcast. Absolutely. It is what made me want to start this and have deep conversations about sobriety. Um, so throw it in there. What did you find? 
This is like one of the last chapters of the book, which I love. And it's called, What Do You Do For Fun If You Don't Drink? (laughs) It's so funny. That's such a question. I know. And it's also not an external question necessarily, but... If you're sitting here and you are honestly saying you're listening to this episode right now and you have never thought that question, you're lying. Yeah. Because booze and social and fun are so tethered, especially in American culture. So, okay. Yeah. I hand it over to you. Even even she says, I understand this question more than I understand most questions about sobriety. I understand it because I get exactly where it comes from and I understand exactly why people ask and I understand why it seems so incomprehensible. I understand it because it was my question. Mm. How do you vacation in Mexico without tequila? Eat dinner without wine? Brunch without champagne? Party without shots? How do you live without the distinct pleasure of being silly drunk? And she, which I just love, like, it's so true. Those are all things that I thought before I got sober. Freaking true. Uh, What I discovered on this side, what I have discovered on this side of the bar scene is the exact opposite. Instead of the boring life I'd anticipated before quitting booze, my life without alcohol is where my actual living began. Mm. Nothing was as half-lived, forced, sad, or redundant as an existence that required alcohol to have fun. It is a perpetual groundhog day to be trapped in the bar scene with options limited to those that include alcohol and an increasing prioritization of the alcohol over socializing. Removing alcohol does not remove options. It creates more of them. By no longer consuming a depressant that fuels your anxiety, an anesthetic that limits the depths of your feelings, a neurotoxin that impairs brain function to the point of forgetting the best parts of the night, and a poison that requires a long recovery period post-consumption, you are choosing to have fun. Uh, It's so, that book is so freaking good. It's so good. If you have not read it, order it if you don't want to read i actually listen to her audiobook also here are just a couple things that you can do to have fun normal things i love this reading a book going (laughs) to a movie riding a bike sitting down to a meal hiking a trail or driving in a car with my family (laughs) towards the end of my drinking life these things seemed torturous i either avoided them or tried to incorporate alcohol to make them more interesting (laughs) (laughs) which yeah you know it's just it hits so hard. It hits so hard. I mean, genuinely, any single thing that you do with alcohol, you can do without it. Um, you can take a shot of something that doesn't have alcohol. I mean, I remember when you and I were first sober and we went to a birthday party and everyone was doing shots and we knew, knew that people were going to be doing shots and we knew we weren't going to be partaking in the same kind of shots they were. So we brought... Oh my God, we brought pre-workout. We got we, That was all we had in the car. We brought in like pre-workout, yes. Literally. And we mixed it It was watermelon water. pre-workout. We shook it up in a bottle and I'm we were doing so shots of pre-workout. pre-workout. But, but it was fun. It was super fun. It was different than water. It looked different than anything else that anybody else was drinking. And everyone was like, you guys are crazy. You guys are wild. And we were like, Yeah. <laughs> so it was like stupid and fun but you can do anything the look it's the glass at the end of the day what you put in it is 
completely up to you. It's the camaraderie of it too. It really is. And I just, it is really true. And I know it's hard if you're not, and if you haven't had like sobriety of any length under your belt, but truly, 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 it is so, so, so accurate that the half lived experiences are actually the ones that required alcohol when I look back on them. And that's not that the parties didn't have value or the connections didn't have value or whatever didn't have value, but it living sober and imagining going through those experiences again. Yeah. Just the amount that I would have gotten out of it. Would well, they be were tenfold. half lived also partly because you were so preoccupied with drinking and mm, what you were going totally. to drink. And it becomes like the fixture and the center of a lot of conversations. Yeah. And it just dilutes everything. Yeah. It's sort of it's sort of like a, a, you know, what am I thinking of? Like, whatever. It's an attention whore. Alcohol <laughs> is. It wants all the attention. It wants to be the center of the conversation. And it's a very easy thing to just hand over all your attention to without even knowing. It's like, it is what it is, you know? Um, Okay, is this our final inspo? so, So these are little blurbs from Clarity and Connection. By Young Pueblo. Yes. Kate got me this book for, I think it was our one year. I do Anniversary. Which I love that it's Clarity. Yeah. You wrote a sweet little note in it. I was going to say hold for truck outside. (laughs) Um, So this book doesn't really have anything to do with sobriety, although young Pablo is sober. Come on the show. Woo. Come on the show. Um, But these just to me felt like a parallel to some work in sobriety and just like messages I like to receive or give myself about my sobriety Mm. words of encouragement in a way love it so if you're toying with the idea of doing a sober month or you're just sober curious or you wonder what your life would be like without alcohol um i think this quote is great real courage is listening to your intuition even when society and people in your life advise against it A lot of advice comes from fear. People wishing you to stay with the herd and do the normal thing. Taking a calculated risk is not reckless. It is fearless. And I just think that resonates so hard for me with being sober and choosing sobriety. Because it wasn't life or death for either of us, you know. Thankfully, we're very lucky. Very lucky. And very fortunate. So with that comes a lot of questioning and people sort of trying to explain their way out of it. But like for you, like, you're you're fine. Mm -hmm. Like, you're so young. Like all of these things you hear. And this just resonates with me because it's like people in your life advise against it, even though like, you know, it's the best thing. Like in my intuition, my gut told me you will have such a rich and full life if you remove this one thing. Yeah. Like your capability to be present will just skyrocket, et cetera, et cetera. But um, I think it can be difficult 
And not everyone's always going to be in your corner. And it's 100%. mostly because it's just so normalized. Yeah. And doing something that's not normal or it's different from the pack or the herd can feel isolating, but it's fearless. I it just love that. It is fearless. I like that too. And then my last, when in doubt, remember you have the power to say no, the authenticity to be you, the patience to keep learning, the fortitude to continue trying, the courage to embrace change, the fearlessness to give selflessly, the wisdom to cultivate inner peace, the bravery to fulfill your aspirations, the openness that grows friendships, the awareness to follow your intuition and the intelligence to not repeat the past. Mm. We're all capable of all of those things. And I think that's just such a lovely reminder, like how much power we truly hold. Yes. And sometimes you just need to be reminded of that. I know because it all starts with you. It does. No one else can do it for you and no one else has to do it for you. You hold the key. And as you open that door and you embark down that hallway that is sobriety, it's harder for some than others. And you have to cultivate and build a community and tools around you, a sober care routine, if I may, to keep you walking down that hallway confidently. But it all starts with you. And you can do it. You can do it. And maybe it's starting right now. Not the 1st of October. But it's starting. And maybe you've already gotten through up until now from October 1st. And yay, if you have, keep it going. And if you're still not sure, that's okay too. Stay curious and maybe buy the books. Yeah. Because I swear to you, you deserve to give yourself the resources to change your perspective and to evolve it. You are so worthy of new, different, better clarity in your life Woo. what are you going to be for halloween i have no idea i do this every year i'm anxiety i'm like oh i'm gonna i'm like i'm gonna dress up this year and then it's like the day before halloween and i'm like i'm not doing anything i'm not gonna go out because i don't have a costume i will say that two years ago sarah and i were a stripper and a pole I was the pole. I was a stripper, and it was a fabulous Passion was costume. the bouncer. Passion, our dog, was the bouncer. Oh, he's sleeping on the pillow. Okay. See I ya. I love you. For more guidance on building your sober gear routine, head to clearheaded.co or follow us on Instagram at clearheaded.co. <laughs>